And welcome back. We are back from our break to introduce you back into the hopefully crisper sounding animation, broadcast, and cinema. My name is Bo Allen. I'm Jacob Rodier. And we are here to talk about 2021 and the movie experience we had this year as a whole. And uh, I think it was a pretty good one. Jacob, what would you say? I would say it was a fantastic year for movies. Yeah. Um, I had a I had a great time. The I think it's going to be very interesting. I think uh, to see how the Oscars deal with everything and uh, what people's general reactions are. I think as a whole to movies this year because I think a lot of really good small stuff came out, but the big stuff that we got wasn't necessarily as good as we're used to. Yeah, I also sense. I also feel like there weren't that many big blockbusters that the Oscars are going to recognize this year. Like, I feel like we're going to get a lot more indie movies showing up in the noms. Right. Um, and we're, we're actually, uh, we have a conversation for that lined up. We'll save that later. But uh, a, a bunch of good stuff came out in December. Uh, mm. what, what did you like there? What was your favorite release of the month? Um, it was a pretty good month. Um, I really liked Don't Look Up. I thought it was a very fun and sad movie. <laughs> Uh, very, very depressing. Um, but I, I really thought it was a good job, especially with the the whole cast and just how like realistic it was to what's going on right now. And the fact that he wrote, Adam McKay wrote the movie in 2016, I think, or before COVID even happened and how he basically nailed everything that actually happened in real life is kind of mind boggling. Um, and just kind of shows how predictable we are. But it was, it was a good satire and I feel like we haven't gotten one of those in a, in a while. Because it's it's honestly very hard to do, and I think this movie kind of shows that. Um, other than that, I saw. Um, um, I mean, I'll, I'll save the ones that are going to be on my top ten yeah. list for twenty twenty one. Nightmare Alley by Guillermo del Toro. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was pretty solid. Uh, Bradley Cooper did his thing. He was really really good. Rooney Mara was great. Um, it was a little long at some points. Kind of dragged. Um, but overall, a great movie. Um, I saw West Side Story, which I know we, we shit on a lot, but I, I wasn't the biggest fan. It's just, I don't know. I'm just not into musicals. It's not my thing. I couldn't get into it, even though everyone else is praising it. Um, and then besides that, oh, I watched Swan Song by Benjamin Cleary. Um, I was a big fan of his short film that I think got Oscar nominated called Stutterer about a stutterer um and this is his directing debut and also mahershala ali's um leading role debut which is very surprising um because you feel like he's been in so many movies but he's always been a supporting character which is kind of wild this is his first leading role and he plays two people in it which is awesome and he kills it it's a really great movie um it's very futuristic and really cool uh set production um the matrix which we both saw um, what do you think of the Matrix, Bo? That was the one that I was going to say was my favorite of 2021 that I didn't have, or December that I didn't have on my list. Mm-hmm. Um, I have been on here singing the praises of the Matrix trilogy as a whole. I don't think the third one is as bad as a lot of people make it out to be, although it is not very good. But this fourth Matrix, I, I-, I could do an hour on this movie. I loved it. Um, I think it was exactly what it needed to be. And... 
uh, it took back, I think, a lot of what The Matrix is supposed to be about. I think it's gotten very misconstrued what the messages of those movies are. And I like to see Lana Wachowski be like, no, 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 no. you all have it wrong. Like, this is what it really is. Like, you know? Yeah. I, I just, I really loved how meta it was. I love how yeah. she was kind of making fun of the matrix itself while she was making this movie. Um, it was just a ton of fun and I love how simple she kept it. She just really kept it like a simple love story. Didn't really go too deep into the lore and kind of what I thought she was going to go. Um, it was just a really fun movie. Uh, the effects are really cool. It was pretty funny. And yeah, just like the whole meta-ness of just like, sequels and just creating sequels in general was awesome i loved it so one of my favorite parts of it and i think something that it's been criticized for a lot is that the action isn't very good it's not though (laughs) it's not and i think that's intentional oh totally is yeah like yeah because they're known for being these huge action movies kung fu movies but like and like the third one in particular has just one massive, like, hour-long robot fight scene yeah. in, the, in the middle of it. And it, they're known to be these big action movies and stuff that uh, it, she kind of – I like how she went away from that and t- took it back – like I said, took it back to its roots of, like, making you think a little bit more. Um I really liked what they did with Trinity and, like, mm-hmm. in this movie, I think – because I think – in the in the last movie, she her character got somewhat tossed aside when well, she it died. seemed. Well, no shit, she <laughs> died. But like, I mean, like, she wasn't as active in the stories in the third one. Yeah, yeah. She was there to have Neo talk to her, pretty much. When in the first and second one, like, they were more of a team, a lot more of a team, and it was a lot more about them. I think. They they lost the track a little bit for the third one, and so seeing it renewed and fixed here felt a lot better. Yeah, I loved basically in the whole third act, Neo's only power was just using the force field. It was so funny. They were like, "We don't give a shit." Just riding on the back of a motorcycle and just. (laughs) It was so funny. I loved it. Also, the one cool, really cool action scene was when everyone was jumping out the windows, like suiciding themselves. Yeah, that was crazy. Yeah, that was just just the visual of everyone just like crashing out the window, jumping off skyscrapers in the middle of a city was just awesome. When they showed us that in like the nightmare, that was clearly a vision from Trinity. I was like, oh, shit, that's going to be insane when we actually get to see it. And, like, seeing the people that were in the Matrix being shocked by people that were actually, like, the bots the whole time, you know? Yeah. Like, just getting up. I was like, oh, this is fucking wild. Like, them getting rid of agents and – but actually having the people be the agents and secret – like, that was crazy. And Neil Patrick Harris was also awesome as, like, the – this architect of the of this world the analyst analyst yeah because i mean yeah that yeah analytics man it's like the nba it's just taking <laughs> over nfl mlb it's all over the place <laughs> yeah he was really good he had a lot of energy in his role he was phenomenal and i they're not doing any sequels but if they did i would like to see him come back yeah i think lana said she's done and warner yeah. brothers said they're done too which is good yeah <laughs> it ended on a perfect note it did yeah we got kind of satisfaction with 
uh, the two main characters. I feel like this movie is kind of very similar in ways to Toy Story 4. Like, yes, it, it wasn't needed, but it was a good, like, wrap-up to all the characters. We got, like, a satisfying ending to all of them, you know? Yes. Like, Toy Story um, 4, everyone just wanted, like, a, a home for Woody or, or whatever it was. Or, like, a home for Buzz and the rest of the toys, so. It was a good, satisfying conclusion. I was very happy with it. Um, Licorice Pizza and... Um, no Way Home also came out, but we're going to get to those in a little bit. Oh, yeah. We never talked about No Way Home. We will, well, we're, we're about to have time right now, actually, uh, because they've been making a push for that movie to be nominated for Best Picture. And now I am going to have to assess my own biases and thoughts here. I wouldn't hate it, and I would not be super upset by it because there are 10 Oscar spots and... I think the Academy Awards, and uh, not a lot of people agree with this, I, they, there has to be some basis, I think, for what is a very popular movie and what a lot of people like. And it's not only getting great fan like reviews, but it's getting really good critical reviews, too. So if they were going to... Black Panther already got a Best Picture nom, and I think this is a little bit of a better movie than that because Black Panther is way better, pretty straightforward. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this one and this one takes some risks and has, when you look at it, a really, really good story for Tom Holland Spider Man. It's not all about the bells and whistles of these multiple universes. It's the most pure Spider Man movie we've gotten for Tom Holland. I think. I mean, they're pushing it. There's like best picture billboards. They're 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 doing a full campaign for it. So we'll see what happens. Well, what I'm saying is, don't do you think it should get a nom? I mean, if I'm looking at it from, like, a popularity standpoint, then yeah, totally. This is, like, obviously the biggest movie of the year. Everyone's talking about it. It has a cultural impact. There's a, there's a lot going for it. Um, but quality-wise, I don't know. There's a lot of great indie movies that came out this year that I think just beat it. Um, and another year, maybe, but this year was so jam-packed with stuff that, I don't know, it doesn't... A Marvel movie... I, at least now only gets so high in my rankings and then there's there's all these other movies that top it so for me personally no i don't think it, it should get a nomination but in terms so, of cultural impact and popularity and all that then yeah totally which the oscars sometimes does well here's but so it, that's exactly what i'm saying is the oscars does sometimes do that and i think part of it is that they have a duty to do that right yeah like, and the voters are always changing for the Oscars. You know, it's there, there's the, the age age like new people are are joining every year and people are leaving the academy every year. Mm-hmm. So we don't know what exactly it's going to be from year to year. But I think there is a little bit of a duty to, especially with the sta- status of the Oscars now. Like the Oscars is kind of it's it's not as popular as it used to be by, by any. Stand, standing of the word, any meaning of the word popular, and so... Well, last year was a snooze fest. Well, yes, but it's not looking like this year will be a much bigger show, like, no. with, the, with the way cases are spiking and stuff, and Hollywood's gonna be at the forefront of being the most cautious about cautious there, and so at a certain point, to get people to tune in, they're going to have to start giving bigger movies a shake at getting a nomination, and I think No Way Home would be would not be the worst one to give give it to is what I'm saying, and if they want people to tune in, you you, you will have 
15-year-old girls tuning in to mm. see if No Way Home wins Best Picture, which it's not going to. I don't think it should win, but they're going to want to see it. And That's true. K- and, it would help a lot for viewership. Right. And while they're watching the Oscars, because they don't know the order, they're not going to just tune in at the end. While they're watching the Oscars, they might say, oh, shit. This licorice pizza movie looks interesting. This hand of God mm. movie looks really interesting. What's what's Annette? <laughs> you know, <laughs> and like that's I've been I've, similar stuff has happened to me where I'm like, oh, when I was when I was younger, I was like, oh, I don't know what this movie is. I'm gonna go look at it, and I, you learn more about movies that way. It's more discovery that way. Yeah, but also usually, usually the best. Well, obviously the best picture does it does a huge marketing campaign afterwards because it gets the money and does like a whole nother theater run. But yeah, I guess the other Best Picture noms don't get as much publicity. And yeah, I guess this viewership would help. Um, but yeah, I wouldn't be mad if No Way Home got a nomination. I mean, I think it should. I, I think it should. I think they need it. I don't know if they need I, it, but... <laughs> I, I don't know what movie I would knock... I think they need it. I don't know what movie I would knock off to give it. To them, I like. Well, for one, like if you just look at our lists, I think there are a couple on our lists that aren't going to get nominated. Oh, totally should. Yeah, and so I I could totally see it taking a spot from some small. And that's and that's another thing I was talking to you about this before the show. Um, a big a, a lot of good movies came out this year, but a big problem is they're not very accessible. A lot of them are not very accessible. Mm-hmm. Like Pig is Pig was hard to find for a long time. Titan, I don't, I still don't know where you can stream that movie. Yeah, I don't know. You know, you have to rent it, and not everybody wants to rent movies when there's so many more ex- accessible movies to watch. You know, like why would I rent this weird French movie that I don't know anything about when I can just watch like Skyfall for the twentieth time? You know. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's tough. tough, but let's get into it. Yeah, spe- yeah. speaking of, all right. Uh, Jacob, you want to give us your 10? It's the same as my 10. Wait, are we going to reveal? Are we going to oh, start you, from the bottom? You, yeah, we're going to start from the bottom. But actually, real quick, let's do the honorable mentions real quick. I'm going to do uh, a couple of mine. Wait, you want, want to do them at the end afterwards? Yeah, we can do it at the end. Yeah. Let's just go like one by one, you know? Yeah, all right. What's your 10? Um, same as mine. Well, yeah, we both have the same. It is Come On, Come On. Yes. Um, Joaquin Phoenix film from this year where he is a pod. He's doing what we do. <laughs> <He's>, <laughs> yeah, he is. He's a podcaster pretty much or a documentary filmmaker, but it's more like a radio guy. I don't know. Yeah, that like. wasn't really clear. I don't know if we actually knew exactly, but the some sort of documentary. The description says documentary filmmaker, but it seemed more like a podcast radio type thing. Yeah, uh, and the whole movie was basically a podcast. Right. Uh, I made the point to you that I think you could watch it with your eyes closed and get the same amount out of it. Yeah, but it's interesting if you think that's a pro or a con. Um, I think in terms of like the message, you get the same out of it. But if you obviously if you watch it, like there's some really interesting shots. Oh, it's beautiful. Yeah. Yeah, that Mike Mills puts in it. And the message, I think, is the main thing he wanted to get across about fathers. And it's a father and son story, even though it's told through the lens of a uncle and his nephew. Mm-hmm. And so it's 
I think the human relationship part and these family dynamics all come through through the dialogue. You just get bonus material by getting to look at really great shots of New York and all the places they go and stuff. Like, I love the uh, cr- the parade that they're walking through and the camera moving through it there. And mm-hmm. that stuff's all extra and secondary to the story, which is Joaquin's relationship to this young boy who's a little quirky and kind of out there. Yeah, to me which is why it's so low on my list, but the fact that my, it made my list, I love it so much, but right. Um, yeah, I just, it was a little too podcasty for me at times. Like I just felt it was just a that's lot a of great thing to say on a podcast. <laughs> <laughs> no, but if I'm listening to a podcast, that's what I want, but I'm watching <laughs> right. a movie and visuals is 50% of the movie to me. You vi- yeah. visual visuals and audio. Um, so yeah, that, that was a little like a downside for me, which is why it's so low on my list. But other than that, yeah, the the acting was phenomenal. I thought the kid Woody, he was so good. Um, yeah, he had a great relationship with Joaquin, and that's kind of hard to do, um, especially with Joaquin's uh, dedication to all his roles. Um, yeah, it was gorgeously shot in black and white. Um, music was done by the Nationals, which is really cool. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, overall, just like a very like heartwarming film that just kind of like made you think about life in general yeah it was yeah and it's i I also loved the aspect of interviewing these kids yeah like what do you think the future is going to be like that was honestly my favorite part yeah i i I watched the whole credit sequence because of all the interviews they played then Mm -hmm. uh it's really interesting stuff and it was a really good idea for like a podcast radio show documentary whatever the hell it was Um, yeah i listened to that podcast that was a real thing i totally listened to that yeah it was very very interesting um all right that's what i had for my 10 as well so let's move on to your number nine something that did not make my list Mm. so yeah my number nine was pig which we were just talking about with the nicholas cage um yeah this one kind of flew under the radar it was in theaters for a little bit. It came and went. Um, but I have been seeing some talk about Nicolas Cage and uh, pushing for that Oscar nom. I don't think it will happen, unfortunately. But um, he was phenomenal. One of the best roles I've ever seen him in. He, yep. You saw it, right, Bo? I did see it. I, yeah. I loved it. Uh, it's on Hulu now, actually. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was not when I watched it. But Nicolas Cage is insanely good at it, uh, in it. And... I agree. I don't think that this will be the year that he gets an Oscar nomination. No. But I do th- I do think he might next year for that Nicolas Cage movie that he's doing. <laughs> oh, yeah. Like, I seriously think he might. We'll see. We'll see. Um, but, yeah, this movie just, like, it was very unexpected. Going into it, I thought it was more of, like, a revenge thriller. And then all of a sudden, it just kind of turned into this heartfelt drama. Um, right. And it, it was so well done, especially, um, oh, the wolf. I forget his first name. Alex. Alex Wolf. I was going to say Nat Wolf. <laughs> I didn't know that off the top of my head. I have the cast list pulled up right now. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, Alex Wolf did a great job as well. Um, but yeah, it was just Nicolas Cage. It was just this great story about um, grief and, and handling that grief and trauma. And it's about this chef who just loves to cook. Um it was just a, a great film overall and really just took me by surprise. It is uh, it is definitely not the direction you're going to go. You're right about that. Um, I'm, I'm looking at my letterbox right now. I mean, most people 
uh, that I follow have watched this movie, which is yeah, it's, it's uh, been getting a lot of buzz because of Nicolas Cage, I think. Right, and and because it's called Pig. How... Yeah, because <laughs> of it's... their name. You really like gr- going into it. You're right, though. You think you know what it, what's going to happen and what it's going to be about, but it completely takes a different route. And um, it kind of jarred me at first too. Watching it, I was like, "Wait, what? what? Yeah, is this? What are we doing here?" But I love movies that do that. Just completely turn 180. <clears throat> yeah, because it's listed as a drama and a thriller, and so I really, I kind of thought we were going to get Nick Cage like hunting down people for this pig, and I was like, "All right, I'm in." And then it didn't happen, and I was still in. Yeah, I totally thought it was going to be more of like a John Wick-style movie, but I'm happy with what we got. Um, Let's move on. We'll hit my number eight, because your number eight is the same as my seven. So uh, my number eight is Annette, a movie that you do not have, but it is a movie that we have talked about a lot on this podcast. Yes, it is on my honorable mentions. It is so weird. And I love it so much. It, um, I rewatched actually the last scene the other day when uh, Baby Annette turns into a real a real girl. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's like we talked we 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 were talking about the good child actor in Come On Come On. That little girl in that scene is so <laughs> freaking good. She nailed it. That was definitely one of the it, best scenes. It was awesome. Um, if that scene wasn't in the movie, I don't think I would have loved it as much as I did. I think that that one scene is probably why it made my list. Yeah. I It's it very is, impactful for all the craziness that happens before it. Right. It I mean that movie like you're on a roller coaster the entire time and super confused and then there's there's this weird puppet child and then at the end you get this really like sad and sweet scene of a father in jail who act, who took who let his the fame get out of control for him and a daughter being like, I don't think you're allowed to love me anymore. And it's super sad. And you know, Adam driver's character is a bad guy, but you want him to be happy somehow still. And it's, it's, it, it hits you pretty hard. And, um, the movie really sticks the landing on that scene. So that pushed it up a lot for me. Yeah. Honestly, I I think I should have made my top 10. I don't know where I'd put it, but just because, this is definitely the movie I've thought about the most in all of mm-hmm. 2021. Like it's just, it's been stuck in my head and I can't get rid of it from the moment it ended. I was just utterly perplexed and had no idea what to think. And the movie hasn't done that to me in forever. Right. Um, I was just, I was just, I stood there blindly. I was like, what just happened? But I just keep thinking about it over and over again. And that just shows how impactful it is. It, it makes you feel lots of things, lots of things, mm, yeah. lots of very confusing things. <laughs> Um, all right, so my your number eight is also my number seven, so we'll go ahead and hit it in this slot, and that is The Green Knight. Yeah, I just rewatched it the other day. Uh, yeah, you just got the Blu-ray. I did. The big-ass case that it came in, didn't it? Or was that Waves? Um, no, that was Waves. But this uh, one did have a nice case. It had a little slipcover on it. Whatever, A24, it's all the same. All right, <laughs> uh, this was a movie that we were really looking forward to for a long time, and another movie that kind of tricks you and oh yeah it's not what you expect it to be um i remember going i remember seeing this in theaters um with a it was actually like a pretty full crowd it was like opening night or opening weekend and i don't think people knew what they were getting into um i knew i knew it was a24 and david lowry so i knew it was gonna be weird and out there um but when the ending happens and you like figure out what happens 
the amount of like groans I heard in my theater was crazy. People was going, oh. Um, but yeah, I remember- that ending kind of just blew my mind. You saw it right before I went to see it, and you texted me, and you're like, it's not what you think it is. And I was like, I don't, I don't I'm fine with that. And I and I told my girlfriend, I was like, it's not an action movie. We're not, we're not, I just got a text from Jacob. We are not going to see an action movie anymore. <laughs> this is now a slow burn drama. Yep. Um, my theater, too, there was, a, there was a decent amount of people in it. And like, I've told some stories. I've been in some of the worst movie theaters of my life. Uh in 2021 and this guy at the end of it just he went like it ends and he goes or no it was after like the what if sequence when he like has if he wore the belt or whatever and didn't actually die you know yeah yeah the ending yeah but then it no well yeah right before they actually cut his head off when he thinks about like if he actually killed the green knight when he was wearing the thing and um and it cuts back, and he's still at the Greed Knight's little place, and they're about to cut his head off, and he's like, well, what the fuck was that? It's <laughs> like, shut up. I had the same reaction, though. Like, there, I thought, there, I there thought was an it. audible reaction as soon as you cuts back to his face, because you figure it out. You're just like, right. oh, my God. I thought it, but here's the thing. I'm in a movie theater. <laughs> it's not the time to talk. Yeah. Yeah. I fair. did love that movie, though, and... um it looked so it just it looked Beautiful. so good. Oh, I, I was watching the uh special features on the Blu-ray and there's mm-hmm. like a whole like BTS uh little like documentary about it. And what was really cool was for the whole like uh dream sequence at the end um when he's when he's imagining all that, they used these very specific lenses that had this like kind of blur effect around the border of the the screen or around the shot. So if you look really closely, you can see all the edges are blurred, and that's why it gives like a very distinct look to make it like very kind of like dreamy almost. Uh, that was a really cool little tidbit. That's awesome. That you can totally see that. Yeah. Um, but yeah, yeah overall, just a great movie. Um. All right. Takes so you by surprise. Us, yes, that takes us to year seven. My six, Hand of God. Yeah. This one we watched uh, Netflix in December. Uh huh. Um, this one very much took me by surprise. I kind of had no expectations going into this, but goddamn, as soon as you see that <laughs> first shot, you'd, you're just blown away. I was like, yes. Yeah. Yes. We're getting helicopter shots of 80s Italy. I am in. Yeah, this is as it. soon as I like, I realized that this was like going to be one shot and it's going to keep following this car. I was like, oh yes, <laughs> let's keep this it going. Was great, and you can like you. It follows the car, and then you can hear the smoking inside of it. Yeah, the sound design was really well done. Yeah, and then it peels back out, and you can kind of hear the helicopter that you were with at the beginning in the distance, and you see it flying. I was like, oh, this is. Look at that water. Yep. It was awesome. Yeah, I could go on and on about that first shot. Unbelievable, yeah, and that just and it stays that like hype throughout the whole thing. Basically, right. like, it was so beautifully shot, just like gorgeous Italy uh, scenery. Uh, it made me want to move to Italy, just like uh, Call Me by Your Name did. Yes, similar, similar vein. Um, um, well, I, I was just gonna say the movie for those who do not know, it's uh, follows a young boy named Fabietto who. His family's very into soccer or football, as you know. It's it's in Italy. I'll call it football. And um, football. Then, 
some real sad shit happens to him and he decides he wants to be a filmmaker and it's pretty much it's it's a very very close to an autobiography about its director Paolo Sorrento, Sorrentino. Yeah, it basically and is an autobiography. He says like 98% of it actually happened. Yeah. Um and it stars Filippo Schis- Scotti Scotti I don't Scotty? know. Scotty, I think. Filippo Scotti. And uh, he's pretty much just the Italian Timothy Chalamet because <laughs> even there, we cannot get away from him. Yeah, he's got I the mean, curly hair. If, skinny. And he's a, sk- a skinny, white, pale kid with brown, curly hair. It's just Italian. <laughs> yeah. Timothy Chalamet. We can't get away from him. And he's a horny motherfucker. And he is a horny motherfucker. <laughs> um, it's really good. I highly recommend it. Uh, obviously... People don't like watching movies that they have to read subtitles for, but like you're missing out on a lot of really good movies. So yeah, surprisingly hilarious, very heartfelt, um, yes. gorgeously it's shot. It's so funny. It's so funny. Yeah, the first half I, I was laughing so hard, especially the dude with the voice box. He was killing me yeah. all the time. Oh my god, that's one of the greatest reveals in cinematic history. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because like they kept hyping him up. The family was hyping this guy up. And oh I was my like, what's this dude gonna be? Oh, it's so good. The, oh, it's so good. When the aunt throws the voice box off the boat. <laughs> Stop you're ruining it. Stop it. Uh, All right. Let's uh let's skip your six because your six is appears later in my list. Okay. Uh and we'll move on to your number five, which I did not have on mine. Do you want to give it a little introduction? Yeah. So this is uh probably uh it's a very hyped movie um it is sean baker's red rocket which um i had very high expectations going in but it still kind of blew him away i fucking love this movie so much um the way it was shot was so beautiful like the film grain was just oh i I can't get enough of that 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 scenery just like blew me away especially the, the stuff at the amusement park and like the roller coaster shot the ferris wheel shot that that stuff was so beautiful to me and i was just kind of like jaw dropped by all of it um simon rex blew me away i did not expect that performance he gave a killer performance and i think we'll get nominated for it um and yeah it was just this like very very human and uh, like authentic story of like lower class america in texas um it was just it was so well done i just i really loved all the characters and how um sean baker just like he just has like a lot of empathy for his characters and you can like you can feel for them even though they're they're terrible in ways um he just he puts this new spin on um i don't know that like this kind of life that you don't really see in movies and i really love that um and yes yeah, simon rex just he blew me away it was so funny too like there's so many funny scenes that i was laughing at throughout this movie um and also the fact that sean baker kind of just grabbed all these people off the street which is unbelievable half these people in this movie have never acted before um and that's like an insane thing to do um just grabbing people who haven't acted off the street and just telling them to act in these major roles um i was reading today that simon rex actually he got offered the or he, he didn't even audition. He just got offered the role for the main character three days before they started shooting. So he really got a call from Baker. Simon Rex is like, sure, I'm in. And Baker's like, all right, fly out here. In three days, we're shooting. And they filmed the whole thing. Yeah, he showed up with all his lines memorized, too. Yeah, it's pretty impressive. Um, I 
did not feel as passionately about this movie, although I did like it a lot. I could not put it on my list because it just it rubbed me the wrong way. The central relationship of the whole thing and yeah, it's a I, very dirty I, movie. It is, and it's supposed to be, and it's supposed to make you feel bad, and it makes you feel bad. I was everything that you listed. I was is equally impressed with, but the feeling like. I, I'm not somebody who like needs a movie to make you feel good. I don't give a shit about that. Mm-hmm. I, I, I th- there's tons of movies that I like that make you feel bad. Um, and I, this one just made me for, feel particularly bad. Like it just, it, Simon Rex's character is just so not a good person. And yeah. it just, I didn't find it enjoyable to watch. I was very impressed by it, but I couldn't put it on my top 10 because it's, it wasn't one of my favorites. Yeah, I think the, the the feeling that you're describing is like why I loved it so much because it just gave me a feeling that I've never felt before almost. Right. It's what they're going for and it's what he wants you to feel, but like I just didn't enjoy feeling that way. Uh, <laughs> I don't know. I mean, I, I 100% respect it and 100% think it's a, work, a great work of art. I just mm-hmm. can't put it on a top 10 list because I got other movies that I liked more and I wanted to talk about more. Yeah, totally fair. Yeah, That's I don't know why. I was like very shocked I put it this high, but I don't know. There's something about it. It's just a hit for me. Red Rocket is probably like it's it's uh, w- what bumped a net probably for you. Mm, yeah. Right? Like if I had Red Rocket, a net would probably be the first one that I would take off. Yeah, probably. Um, But I enjoyed it. I enjoyed it. Uh, Let's hit my five since we just did your five, mm-hmm. I put something that you don't have, but I'm sure is in your honorable mentions, Last Night in Soho. Yeah, it's actually not in my honorable mentions. Um, did you just not like that movie? What is wrong with you? No, I love the movie. There's just so <laughs> many great movies this year. Um, um, Last yeah, Night in Soho, about it. man. I thought it was wild. I think the back half of the movie was a little lazy kind of or a little sloppy i think the big reveal was a little sloppy which is something that a lot of people have said actually mm-hmm. um but i i loved it nonetheless i it's edgar wright's first venture into like straight up horror and straight up thrillers without like you know his classic little comedy yep jokes and it was really really well done and i loved the settings of 1960s uh you know, London. And I loved, it's a movie that rotates a lot around, a lot around like fashion, obviously. And I loved like the costuming of it. I thought all the 60s stuff looked fantastic. The production Uh, design was unreal. It was amazing. Uh, Matt Smith was great as that evil motherfucker. Uh, (laughs) Anya Taylor joy was awesome as uh, what's her name? Sandy and Thomas and McKenzie was fantastic in this movie. I think Anya Taylor-Joy was the big draw of this movie because a lot of people, like... Yeah, coming off Queen's Gambit. Right, she's become very, like, much a part of the lexicon recently, and also she's well-known for The Witch and Split, and Glass came out, like, two years ago, so she's got some momentum off of that, which, even though that movie wasn't very good, but, like, people still know she's in it. And... People walked away from what I saw singing the praises of Thomas and McKenzie, who in her own right has been in some very good stuff before that movie came out. Um, yeah. So I'm glad that she's got 
a lot of momentum coming off of that. Jojo Rabbit is one that comes to mind that she is just amazing in. And if you want to talk about a fucking sad movie, oh, <laughs> man. The happy um, ending. Yes. Uh, kind of. Uh, <laughs> bittersweet. <laughs> bittersweet, yes. Um, but, man, I think Edgar Wright really just, he put, he put it all together on this one, and I had a blast watching it. Yeah. Technically, I, th- I thought it was incredible. It was beautiful. But yeah, kind of like the reasons you were talking about in the beginning, like it did get a little repetitive at the end. Um, I don't know, not as memorable for me. But yeah, overall, fantastic movie. And Thompson McKenzie killed it. She's going to be a star. She is. She really is. Um, she's going to be the Northman. Yeah, I'm so excited. Oh, man, we're going to have to, the pod we do about that. Oh, <laughs> boy, that's going to be a pod. Um, all right, we got the same number four. Yes, we do. And it is a hell of a movie. One that I was, it was like, it, it's probably like top three most anticipated for me, I think, mm. going into, well, maybe, uh, yeah, because I didn't, because Paul Thomas Anderson's was a little bit of a later announcement. Um, the French Dispatch by Wes Anderson. I was geeked up about this movie and I was not disappointed. Yeah. I mean, no, this movie blew away my expectations. It was phenomenal and it had such a great cast and it i like how it did you never really knew what it was going to be about i think from the trailers like i never i was very confused how all these pieces were going to get fit were going to fit together and then when you get into the movie and you realize oh it's just these three articles from the magazine the french dispatch like it all clicks and makes sense and you're like all right let's do this i'm ready yeah, I mean, just from the opening shot, we, we talked about this when we saw it, but I just, you knew you were getting into a Wes Anderson movie, and it was it was just beautiful. Biggest smile on my face from start to finish. Uh, and um, the cast, like the ensemble cast that he had, like he got everybody out for this motherfucker. Oh, yeah. Everybody brought it. Mm-hmm. And it worked because he can only get them in like little chunks, and it, it works for this movie with little vignettes. Yep. Timothy Chalamet. <laughs> <laughs> He's everywhere, man. Can't get away from him. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's a fantastic yeah. movie. And honestly, it, it's probably, it's at least in my top three for top Wes Anderson movies. It's in my top three Wes Anderson. It too. might be it's my number one. So good. Uh, I don't know if it's my one. I need to watch it again, but. Uh, I do too. I'm already itching for a rewatch. Yeah. I don't know. Royal Tenenbaums is pretty good. Moonrise Kingdom, really good. Really slept on. That's in my top three. Yeah. For me, it's Fantastic Mr. Fox, Moonrise Kingdom, and then probably this movie, French Dispatch. Fantastic Mr. Fox fucking rules, too. Yeah. Um, all right. What's your number three? It's something I haven't seen yet. Ah, uh, yes. My number three, which we have talked about before, is Spencer. Um, definitely probably the most unexpected movie that I saw this year. Because um, I've said before, I hate this time period. I hate like the royal family and is anything involved in this. <laughs> I had no interest. My mom wanted to see it. So I was like, sure, let's go. Um, Kristen Stewart was getting a lot of hype. But damn, it just blew me away. There was, it was something about it. It was, it was very personal. You could really like feel for the characters. It was shot in a very art house indie way, which I love. Um, it, I didn't think it was going to be shot like that. Um, and it was just an incredible movie from front to front to back. I was glued to the screen the whole time. It was just a, a beautiful movie. And yeah, Kristen Stewart just knocked it out of the park. She totally deserves the Oscar for this. Um, we were talking about it 
on the podcast and over text, I think, before you went to see this, and you were like, I'm not very excited for it. Like, eh, it looks slow and boring. And I was like, yeah, man, biopics in general aren't really doing it for me anymore. Yeah. Like, I'm, I'm tired of it. And then you came out of it, and you're like, nope, that was awesome. That was great. <laughs> I was, was like, what just happened? Because it, it wasn't your normal biopic. They did something different, and I, I love that. Right. Um, I, it's still on my list to see it. I plan on checking it out very soon. Um, yeah, it will not disappoint. I don't know if it's as good as my number three, though. Speaking of not disappointing, Spider-Man No Way Home. We did it, baby. We did it. We put this movie out and made my year. It should probably be my number one, but I wanted to seem like I know a little bit more about film than that. <laughs> it ruled, man. I am so happy with it. I talked about for months probably about this movie on this show and to you in general and to everyone who would listen to me. Um, and I would, people would ask me, do you think Tobey Maguire and Andrew Garfield are going to be in the movie? I would say, yes, I think they will be, but I hope they're not because I wanted this to be a Tom Holland story. And I was worried that those two being in the movie would overshadow him. Um, spoilers. They are in the movie. They handled it the perfect way. It's such a good story for Tom Holland. Yeah, if if they were in the movie, I think I was, this would have gotten a completely different reception. I think people would have been disappointed. I think it still would have been a very good movie. Yeah, I, yeah. I, but I was very, very happy with the way they handled all of it. Um, and I'm honestly, well, I mean, Andrew Garfield, I think, was who I was most excited to see again if they did do it. I don't know if I've talked about this on here, but Andrew Garfield is probably my favorite Spider-Man, which is such an unpopular take, but I think he cares about it the most and was really, really good at it, but had the worst writing and directing, unfortunately, and the most studio interference. And he got his little redemption arc here. He, I think, I hope a lot of people finally see what I saw about his him being the best Spider-Man and, or him at least having the most passion for it because, like, when he got back, like he he just looked so happy to be back in the suit. He was so passionate about this role, and you could you could see it. It was just bleeding off of him the whole um, movie. Oh man, he's, it's so great, and it was good to see Toby again. I'm very happy with him. It felt just like that character. Like they wrote him perfectly. He was still a fucking goofball nerd. Like it was great. It's just like as like just like a Marvel fan in general. It's like seeing Toby just walk through that portal was just oh, it was awesome. It was so satisfying. I, I don't know if I've ever laughed harder than Tom Holland being like, I don't want to brag, but I was in the Avengers, and Tobey Maguire going, great, what is that? <laughs> yeah. It's like a good little joke. Yeah, they had great banter throughout. I loved when all of them were just like chilling and talking. Um, I don't think this is the last time we see them together either. After I this think, reception, I, yeah, I don't see it. They, they have to capitalize on this. I also would not be shocked if, uh, and I'll, I don't know if this is the right time to go into, into this much detail about ever, all the thoughts I have about this, but Andrew Garfield, I would not be shocked if we saw him again. Um, in like his own movie or I, th okay, this, we're going completely off topic right now. I'm sorry. I'm derailing the podcast and being a bad host. The Morbius trailer, I think it's like talking about where is Spider-Man and Spider-Man has murderer on it. And it's the Oscorp building from the Andrew Garfield universe. I think Morbius and Venom might be taking place in Andrew Garfield's universe. All right. If you say so. 
<laughs> Listen, it makes sense. Which Spider-Man would be the one that they would put Murderer over? He's talking about I stopped pulling punches, man. He got real depressed. Where is he? I don't know. He's in a portal in another world. All right. I just I just don't care as much. <laughs> <laughs> I I don't know. I'll I'll get I'll No Way Home like that satisfied all like my fanboy needs. Like it after that sick. it wrapped up in a bow and like I'm good. I don't need anything else. <laughs> I will say well they're doing another trilogy of him in college and um honestly the part that made me the happiest and this is probably the nerdiest take there is is that at the end, he's living on his own in a shitty apartment, uh, and he makes his own suit, and it is 100% perfectly comic book accurate the first time that has ever happened in a Spider-Man movie because he is now, like, I, he's about to be the purest form of Spider-Man I think that we've ever seen, which is great. No, yeah, it didn't make my list, but I, I really enjoyed it. So it was, it was a fun time in the theater. All right. Our number two is the same. And it should not be shocking that we both have this movie. I think we talked about this movie more than No Way Home. It is, of course, Denis Villeneuve's Dune. 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 Yeah, I mean, I feel like we we said a lot of critique about this movie, but that didn't stop my enjoyment from being mind-blown the whole time. Um, Do you know who's in this movie? Timothy uh, Chalamet. Oh yeah, that dude. I forgot about that guy. <laughs> um, oh man. Yeah, it was just a fucking fantastic movie. Seeing it in IMAX in all its glory, uh, it was just a feast, and I knew it was going to be from the beginning. Um, it's just a joy, especially since we both read the book and just like seeing everything come to life in the way that it oh, did. Yeah. Um, it's just these big sci-fi, uh, big budget movies don't come around that often. So when they do, you just gotta soak it up and enjoy it. And I did, every last minute. Well, when they come around, they're usually not this scale and not. Oh like, yeah, we'll, we'll get like a big sci-fi. Like we get like Star Wars a bunch, but mm-hmm. we're not. We're not. We don't get movies like this anymore. This is a sci-fi movie that I'd put up there with like Blade Runner, Alien. Mm-hmm. I'll put it. Uh, I'm gonna probably make a lot of comparisons to Interstellar yeah. with it when we get to that later in the podcast. Totally. Like it is. In terms of scale and visual effects and just the way he frames everything in the camera so that you really feel how small these people are compared to this massive desert or these ginormous spaceships that are flying all around him and being blown up. Like, you feel it perfectly, and it feels real, and it feels possible. It's crazy. Yeah, it's a good way to put it. It it feels very real. Um and start like when you're watching something like Star Wars, you like you know it's like fake. You know you're watching a movie, right. but this I don't know. You just feel it. It, it just gets that depth. It's, it's awesome. Which is I think a big draw of the book as well is that like the book it feels real, kind of like it's it's obviously bizarre and out there, but like there's so much depth to the story and background. Yeah, they keep it, it grounded. Grounded, right? It's crazy. I love it. Yeah, it was, right. just, uh, it was a marvel. Let's hit your number one. Something that I have on my list as well, but I have it at my number nine. All right, yeah. My number one, to no surprise, is Titan. Or, or Titan, I think you pronounce it. Um, I don't know. I, I call it the movie where the girl fucks the car. <laughs> yeah, anytime I mention this movie to anyone, like, oh, yeah, it's the one where the girl fucks the car, right? 
um, <laughs> which is it's accurate. So I say yes. <laughs> it's not wrong. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, I don't know. This this movie just it struck me in the right way, man. There's just you, <laughs> these movies also do not come around that often. Um, no, no. And it just I don't know. It hypnotized me the whole time. I was just it was such a joy just watching like especially all these different types of genres just blend together into one. Um, and just watching this amazing acting and just seeing something like this that like this could actually be a movie is just like so absurd and ridiculous that I don't know I was just I was so entertained I loved it so much and it's another movie I can't stop thinking about. Uh, yeah, I can't stop thinking about it either. Probably <laughs> not as in the much of a positive sense as you. <laughs> I just have nightmares of the ending scene. Uh, yeah, I just really love cars, man. Oh God, <laughs> not as much as the main character in this movie. <laughs> I gotta talk um, to my my car buddies and see what they think oh, of this movie. Good God, <laughs> um, the description of it is another one we've had this year. We gotten a lot of movies this year, I think, that are different from what we expect. Uh, this one is following a series of unexplained crimes. A former firefighter is reunited with his son, who has been missing for ten years. Yeah, that's not what this movie's about. I mean, it is, but it's not. It's totally what it's about, man. <laughs> um, and I love that that's the description. <laughs> it's completely bizarre and out there, and it's like Annette. It's something I wish we saw more. Yeah. N- not necessarily uh, the body horror of it, although, you know, I-, I-, I like horror movies, so that part I was like, yeah, this is getting fucking weird. Like, yeah. Um, but I-, I, it's like I've mentioned before the show, like I'll have – all this praise for weird movies like Annette and Titan, but then I'll also be like, No Way Home was the greatest cinematic achievement of all time. <laughs> no, you have a nice blend. It's good that you appreciate both and you're not like hard on one side. Right. Um, I'm not like Martin Scorsese. No. <laughs> no fuck that. Scorsese is not, he doesn't hate Marvel. He said one thing and hasn't said a word since. <laughs> just, and Marvel fans it blow it out of proportion. Well, he said they're not cinema. So Fair, but you said it once. <laughs> Don't get me wrong. These are movies. Um, um, but yeah, this right. this movie is just uh, I loved it, front front to back. And yeah, like you said, you said you mentioned it perfectly. Like I just want to see more movies that get weird and interesting like this because that's what I love about cinema to begin with. Right. It's uh, a f- format where new. you can yep you can do all these crazy insane things and like it's not like a book where you can do that, but you have to visualize it with like, you have to come up with a way to show these people this crazy ass thing that you're going to do. That's part of what I love about Dune is like being able to show this stuff is so fucking hard. And he pulled it off in the greatest way possible. It was Mm -hmm. awesome. Yeah. Oh man. Uh, I guess that brings us to our, to my number one, which is your number six. Yes, sir. A movie I have been talking about for a long, long time. Paul Thomas Anderson's Licorice Pizza. You AKA did not love this Soggy Bottom. Also known as Soggy Bottom, yes. Um, you did not love this movie as much as I did. Um, hey, it's still my number six. It's on my list. It's it's on the list. I still I loved know, it a lot. Like, when I, I loved Yeah, you definitely liked it a lot This more. movie. Which, now a big thing that people are going to bring up is the age gap thing. And I think there's a little bit of hypocrisy from me, like hating red rocket but, or not hating <laughs> red rocket. I don't hate red rocket. Just being super weird out by that age gap and not this one. I think the reason I'm okay with this age gap is because Al- Alana and Cooper. Well, okay. Well, 
Lana's not actively trying to fuck Coop. Coop is trying to get with her, but she's like, no, I'm 24. Like, I'll be your friend because I think you're a cool kid, but, like, I'm not going to take advantage of it. Now, the ending, yes, they do kiss at the end, but I don't I, – the difference I think I see in it, and that does not is not me endorsing a 24-year-old dating a 15-year-old. That's wrong completely. I, I feel like I shouldn't have to say that, but – it's not a manipulative thing. No, and I I don't hate it or I don't dislike it because of no. The I age I just want I, I just wanted to get a disclaimer out there <laughs> that yeah. like I love this movie. I think it's the best movie of the year. But he did that I on purpose. Like that was right. a, that was a major theme throughout the whole movie. Right. He wanted um, to make you feel uncomfortable. Right, but I, man. I was uh, this. I was watching it, and I was like, "This is just." And it's it's the same thing I've I've said about every Paul Thomas Anderson movie we've done, is like this guy just knows how to make a fucking movie. Like this guy, this is just this is movies. It's so it's so much it, fun. And he, this was him at his most fun, at his funniest, like with a freaking oh, awesome yeah. cast. This is definitely just, his funniest movie yet. His funniest movie yet, and. You could tell, like, that everybody was just having a phenomenal time making this movie. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, yeah. Totally. Bradley Cooper was like, you're going to have me come in for five minutes and act like the craziest man in the world? Yeah. Tom Watts, Tom Waits, sorry, Tom Waits and Sean Penn were like, we get to be drunk as shit in a bar and be, like, old Hollywood guys reliving memories. And ride a motorcycle? <laughs> yeah, ride a motorcycle. Like... Sean Penn totally is like, hey, I was in Carlito's way. I got to play this crazy ass guy on cocaine. Like, he's, that's something they do, man. Yeah. Um, no, I really it, watching this movie really made you just like appreciate movies. You're just like, it, I'm at the cinema. I'm watching this amazing movie. It's so much fun. Like, you're just right. enjoying yourself the whole time. I was sitting. I went to this on Christmas Day because it came out the 24th. I went on Christmas Day by myself while my family was napping. <laughs> got a big ass thing of popcorn and a root beer and i was sitting there and i was like fucking movies like this is movies it's just yeah. great and also alana haim and cooper hoffman are going to be superstars yeah it's they're so good pta did an amazing job of pulling like the greatest performances out of them <laughs> and it's both of their first movies like what the fuck it's not fair. Yeah, especially Alana. Alana was incredible. She was so good. And um, we talked about Spencer and Kristen Stewart getting the win, but Alana deserves this nomination. If she doesn't get it, I will riot. I will riot. I don't uh, know if she is, man, but we'll see. We'll see. Show, there's a massive push for her right now, and I yeah. think like even the people that don't like this movie uh, – to, and also the most criticism I've seen of this movie is the age gap thing, but like that's the fucking point. It's bizarre how people aren't necessarily. I mean, this got that. raved by critics, so No, I know, no, I know, but like the public's opinion of it mm-hmm. has taken hits because yeah. of the age gap. People are like, oh, Paul Thomas Anderson is endorsing nine-year age gap. Well, yeah, because the whole the whole movie is very vague in a sense. He didn't really right. like heavy hand all of the themes and messages he was trying to portray. And then another knock of it is the racism thing, but I thought that was really dumb because it's clearly making fun of people like that. Like, yeah, there's 
there there are people who will be like, oh, this guy is Hispanic. I'm gonna talk to him in the in a fake Spanish accent, and that'll make him understand me. Mm-hmm. Like that's a trope, like a joke that has been around for years. Yeah, and I like, think people forget about Twenty One Jump Street sometimes. <laughs> right. My like, name is Jeff. Yeah, exactly. Like that's Twenty Two Jump Street. Um, oh, fair, <laughs> fair. But and like. There's always jokes of like the the dad being like, "Don't worry, I know how to handle like these people." When he's talking to a Hispanic guy, and then the guy will be like, "Dude, I speak English. Like, what are you doing? You're making a fool of yourself." Yeah. And just because they don't follow up with that punchline, you're still supposed to be laughing at this character and realizing like he's an asshole. Yeah. Like, no, I, 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 I didn't see anything wrong with that either. I mean, maybe because um, he pushed, he did that joke like twice throughout it, I think, and he he kind of pushed it, but no, it was I, funny. I'm not. Uh, yeah, and I'm not saying that you thought that way. I'm saying those are the only two criticisms I've seen of yeah. it. And people like being like, oh, I- I've seen people being like, oh, that's the age gap in this movie. I'm not going to see it. Oh, there's this type of racism in that movie. I'm not going to see it. And I'm like, that's a fucking dumb thing to do. Like, I get that, like, I, I think sheltering yourself in that way is not great because this movie makes you think a lot and – also, it's just a, it's just so so much fun, and I think people are missing out on a lot of stuff. Yeah, no, I it's a great movie. All all the tracking, running shots with the soundtrack blasting in the background, just, oh, so good, beautiful. I will say also, um, probably the greatest movie trailer in the history of cinema, with like all these shots perfectly that are so great in the movie, perfectly synced up with David Bowie's Life on Mars is <laughs> so good. I don't know if it's oh, the it's best, so but good. it's definitely a good trailer. It's definitely up there. Oh, it's such a great trailer. I watched it again when I got home from the movie, and I was like, this is fucking perfect. <laughs> like, it was such a – the greatest use of life on Mars I've ever heard, <laughs> I've ever seen, in a, ever. Yeah, and it has some shots that aren't in the movie either, which is cool. Yep. It was great. I loved it. This is what movies are. Best picture time for Paul, T- for Paul Thomas Anderson. Yeah, I wish him the best of luck at the Oscars. I hope he gets nominated and everything. He deserves yeah. it. Oh, man. All right. You want to just list off our honorable mentions? Sure, yeah. Um, you go first. All right. I'll list it off, and then anything I don't have, you can hit. Um, all right. I had, just on the outside looking in, I had Tick, Tick, Boom, which we both kind of shit on, and we were like, ah, musicals are over. I agree, musicals are over, but this is a really good one. Go watch it. Andrew Garfield's amazing in it. I had Pig on mine. Um, that it made your list. I had the Fear Street series, which oh, yeah. are obviously those. not like critical darlings, but they were really, really fun. They were so much fun. Um, and I think the strategy of like, you know, three movies being released almost like a TV series week after week was really, really interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, I had. Inside, which was the Bo Burnham special, but it was also more like a movie. So yeah, I count it. I counted it on there. Um, I had the Matrix Four on there, uh, and then I also had our personal favorite of the year, Malignant. Ah, yeah, Malignant. It's a great yeah. one. Um, yeah, on mine I had Saint Maud, which came out at the beginning of the year. But actually, this movie, I think, screened at festivals in 2019 and then got caught in the 2020 COVID scare and never came out and then finally released this year. So I guess it doesn't really count, but it came out this year, so I'm counting it. Um, 
Yeah, love Saint Maud. It was, uh, very A24. It was very weird, creepy. Loved it. Um, Some Kind of Heaven, which also came out at the beginning of the year, which I think you can stream on Hulu now, is uh, an amazing doc by Lance Oppenheim. Um, it's about the um, the village in Florida where the uh, the most STDs ever recorded have been. And it's an old retirement home, and it just follows these old people who love to party and go crazy at the end of their life. But it also gets very like deep and personal and talks about death and just like... Uh, it was so well done. It was shot like a narrative too, which was really cool. I haven't seen that in a documentary before. Um, just really, really well done. Um, also, on my list, I had Shiva Baby. Shiva Baby was also incredible. A debut Shiva. from NYU student. Um, as a Jew, I uh, I really love this movie. There's a lot you of say that so much on this podcast. Well, this movie specifically because it's all about Jewish people and just some kind of heaven is 2020. By the way, sorry, came out 2021. Shiva Babies 2022 it came out in 2021. Mm, not according to this. Um, <laughs> but yeah, love Shiva Baby. And it's getting some Oscar buzz, which is cool. I don't think it will get any noms, but um, I really hope it does because it's an incredible movie all around. It's like the it's like a Jewish Uncut Gems, even though Uncut Gems is Jewish, but this is getting <laughs> even more Jewish. I was about to say, what is... Because what, what this, this one takes place at a Jewish funeral the whole time. And like everyone's Jewish. They're wearing well, if oh, you, a bunch if, of Jew jokes. If you think about it, Uncut Gems <laughs> place at a Jewish funeral. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> that was a bad one. Um, I also had Bad Trip. I fucking loved Bad Trip with Eric Andre and Laurel Howery on Netflix. I haven't seen that, that was technically 2022. It was supposed to come out in theaters in 2020, but then got pushed to 2021 for Netflix. All right, this is Jacob's 2020 <laughs> list of honorable mentions. Yeah, right? Um yeah, I won't. Uh, nine days, same thing. Twenty twenty, but came out twenty twenty one. Jesus. And I have two more. Uh, the drive my car, which is uh, this that actually came out in twenty twenty one. Came out I think last Thank month. Um, hopefully yes, it gets it a wider did. release. Um, but yeah, that movie was it was crazy because it was three hours long. It's a very very long movie, and it's a very slow movie too. Like there's just like a bunch of people talking and not much happening, but it's some somehow like hypnotizes you and trances you the whole time. And you never feel bored. You never just want to like do something else or look away, look at your phone or whatever. Like it just trans, it just, you're hypnotized the whole time. It was crazy. That's never happened for like a three hour movie for me. That's not like action packed. Um, I don't know. It was, it was such a great movie. Um, this probably would have been like my number 10 spot. Um, and then my last movie I saw was the novice which was so freaking awesome. It was a directing debut from Lauren Hathaway. It's basically whiplash, but for rowing. Um, <laughs> it follows this female, this girl who goes freshman year of college, joins the rowing team and gives it her all to make it to the number one spot on the rowing team and just be the best rower ever. Um, and goddamn, is it intense. The sound design is unreal. It's so well done. Actually, the director of this film was the sound designer on Whiplash, so it makes sense why these films oh, are, are, yeah. are very similar. Um, but yeah, just super intense, great cinematography. I was glued to the screen the whole time. Um, it was, yeah, really well done. It's The Novice. I think it's on Hulu or some streaming, um, but I would definitely recommend it. Um, and yeah, that's that's my list. I think it's on some streaming. Um, I am looking at Letterboxd right now. and does not say it was on any streaming. Uh, it's available to rent. Okay, we'll rent it because it's worth it. <laughs> if you if you like Whiplash, you'll love this movie. Um, 
Man, I still got a bunch left on my 2021 watch list. Yeah, I mean, a lot of great movies came out this year. It was very tough to make this list in general. Um, How many did you watch this year? Can you Do you have your letterbox pulled up right now? Yeah. Or do I need to vamp for a second? You go first. Um, so I feel like I'm lacking. I watched more movies this year, I think, than I really have any other year, and I definitely kept up with it more. I watched something like 100. I think I watched 150, actually, and only 57 of them were released in 2021. Mm. So I really, I thought I was seeing a lot of stuff. I, I guess I wasn't. Um, so yeah, I don't know. I, Go keep on. Well, I I I saw all the big stuff that's gonna get awards buzz, but I still I also still have some movies left on my watch list uh, for 2021. I have 25 left. So, mm. and like that stuff like The Lost Daughter and Drive My Car and Swan Song and The Humans, like stuff that I couldn't get to the theater in time to see. Um, yeah, and that's been hard to find on streamers and stuff. Yeah, no, there's a lot of movies that came out this year. It's tough to catch them all. Um, but yeah, so I don't know how many movies I've watched this year total, but I've seen 89 new films this year. Um, I'd actually probably push that to like 85 or like 82 because some of these on my list are short films, but. Um, yeah, so I saw around like 85 new movies, but I don't know how many actual movies I saw. I don't know if I can see that on Letterboxd. The, uh, the Letterboxd wrapped hasn't come out yet, so. Yeah, I'm waiting for that. I want to see my stats. This is, this is such a, just a, this is about to be a very niche conversation. Do you have to have Letterboxd Pro or be a patron to get that? Or do they no. just do it for everybody? No, I'm not pro and I got it last year. Uh, but you're a patron, aren't you? No. What? I thought you were. I don't pay for it now. Dude, I keep looking at it. You get some really cool shit if you do. Yeah, I was looking at it too, but I don't know. It's not worth paying for me. Like, I, I get everything I need with regular letterbox. I know, but, like, man, like, you get, like, like it through, it's, I guess throughout the year you'll get, like, what directors you watch the most. I'm really interested to see what director is my number one. Yeah. I don't know. It's probably going to be Michael Mann because I've probably rewatched <laughs> Heat, like, ten times this year. Um, it's very but yeah, if you don't have a letterbox and you you like to keep track of your movies and stats and stuff, get a letterbox. It's so worth it. Like just the watch list function. I've been trying to get uh, like a lot of people are like, oh man, I wish I had a really organized way to keep track of movies I want to watch. I'm like fucking letterbox. Yeah, that's great. You can easily like you don't have to be like Jacob and I where we go back and we try to think to our young childhood of what movies we have not have and have not seen. But you can just use it now and just being start keeping track of it now. Like it's really yeah, really it's fun. it's great to look back and see what you watched on what day or what month or whatever, and just yeah, keep track right. of your movies. Even if you aren't like a crazy movie geek like me, like it's or like Jacob, it's very, very fun just to look at. I think, and it, you also get good r- r- ratings by people who like movies on it. Yeah, like the user ratings and stuff shout out letterbox shout out letterbox i did not think we were gonna get the letterbox plug in there at the end um but yeah it was a really great year for movies i think we that's what we expected and i was not disappointed i mean yeah all the the 2020 delays everything got kind of pushed to this year right and boy was it a ride it was a really fun time it was great to be back at the movies um there's a couple big blockbusters that got pushed to 2022 but everything that i really wanted to see we got to see. Yeah. 
happy to be back in the movie theater as well. It was a good year. All right, let's take a break, and then we can get to our movie that was voted on by the fans this week. You can vote in our weekly polls at ABC Movie Show on Twitter. Um, this movie's this week's movie was Interstellar. Yes, sir. It's Bo here to tell you about our sponsor, Album Book Club. It is a book club, but, you know, for albums. And uh, they have weekly picks that they put out on their Twitter, at Album Book Club 1. And they uh, have curators that choose picks week by week. Uh, It can range from hip-hop to bluegrass to death metal to indie to pop. It's all over the place. Uh, It's a great way to discover new music. I've been following them and working with them for quite some time. They also put out their magazines on albumbookclub.com. They just put out an issue with Osar and Paris Price. Uh, They have great merch over there. It's all great looking stuff. Um, Definitely check them out. Give the Twitter a follow. Give the page um, a look. It's great stuff. You're not going to be disappointed. Good way to discover music. Let's get back to the movie. We are back from our break, and it is time to talk about Interstellar. And I make fun of Christopher Nolan a lot on this podcast. Not, do you? Uh, not I do a little bit. Dunkirk mostly, but um, this one I have no complaints about. Uh, Jacob, do you want to tell us what it's about and who's in it? Yeah. Um, so this is probably it's it's at least in my top three favorite movies of all time. I've seen this movie like over twenty times now. Just no, make the bold stance that you made off air. Don't change it. No, it's what it's the best movie of all time. It's your favorite movie of all time. Is yeah, it's it's definitely uh, yeah my favorite movie. Of all oh time. oh, did you say it's the best in the in the top three best of all time? Is what you just no said? no it's, it's it's my favorite of all time. Okay. Um. But yeah, Interstellar, the Christopher Nolan came out in 2014 off of uh, Dark Knight hype. Um. It was written by him and his brother Jonathan Nolan. It stars Matthew McConaughey, Anne Hathaway, Jessica Chastain, uh, Timothy Chalamet. Um, God damn it. Makes his way in everything, man. This fucking kid. He's just always there. Um, He's good in this movie. Yeah. Uh, and yeah, that's that's the main cast. Uh, I guess you guys also have the iconic Michael Caine. He's in every Nolan movie. John Casey, Lithgow. Yeah. Casey Affleck. Um, also good in this movie. Yeah, a lot of big names. But yeah, this is a adventure sci-fi drama about a team of explorers traveling through a wormhole in space and attempt to ensure humanity's survival. All right, I'm going to do something that I have not done yet on this podcast, and I'm actually going to read one of my own reviews um, that I did for this movie. And it's another letterbox plug. It's not some long written review but it is my thoughts about the film and something I think a lot of people think about the film Uh, I said it's Nolan's greatest film and in the long scope of his career I think this film will stand the test of time as the true showcase of his talent the scope of the camera work the scale of the story and the purity of the message all combine here to put together a film that can be made by no one else than Christopher Nolan and I think that surmises a lot of feelings about this movie I maybe Denis Villeneuve could do this and that's the reason why this month we're doing two 
Denis and two Nolan movies because um, they're both so good at sci-fi stories like this. Um, but I think until Dune came out, I didn't think Denis could do a story like this. Um, or maybe Arrival kind of showed that he could. But but Arrival even doesn't take it to space. Dune, you're finally seeing stuff move in space, which is really, really hard to film. And so that's yeah. the biggest takeaway I walked away with uh, watching it uh, last night was just how hard this shit is to film and how perfectly Christopher Nolan did it. It's and how the majority of it was practical. Yes, yes, you love the you love that you love to throw that in. Um, I mean, Dune was a lot practical too. Um, but yeah, it's crazy. It's I think you could tell when it's not practical because there's times where you're like, no, they didn't do that practically. But uh, obviously the wormhole. Obviously the wormhole. <laughs> Wait, what? They didn't throw a camera in a wormhole? Um, <laughs> that would be pretty cool. Been pretty cool. It was really good, though. Well, we, we wouldn't be able to get the camera back. Well, you wouldn't have been able to get TARS back either, you thought. But <laughs> look what they got. They True. Got, you didn't think they would get McConaughey back either. True. Um, all right, so we talked about the cast, uh, and we know the big names from it. Uh, I mentioned John Lithgow. I really, really like him uh, in, the, in everything he does. I think he's a perfect old man. <laughs> he, he is the perfect old really man. He's really funny in this movie. He's got that voice. Um Oh, he, he does have that voice, and he really has that look too. Um, I yep. did, and we we can't get away from him. But I wanted to get a little bit of Timothy Chalamet talk in here because <laughs> I mentioned last night that uh, you mentioned that this was Nolan kind of discovering him, and that's pretty true. He wasn't really in anything before this. He had a couple spots on yeah. small TV shows, and he had done a short film, but this was the first major picture he was in. Um. And he's pretty, I mean, he's not in a ton of it, but he's good. When they do that video, those video messages, and it's him doing, like, his third one before they switch to Casey Affleck, you can kind of feel the hope starting to drain. And then Casey Affleck picking up as a character that Timothy Chalamet had already started developing was also something I thought was very impressive. They made them look a lot alike, which was uh, great, and... You could really feel it when Casey Affleck's messages started, like how drained he is. And like before he mentions that his wife told him he needs to stop, you can already kind of feel that he's just doing it out of the routine of it to feel like his dad is still there. Mm -hmm. And then finally when his firstborn son dies, he's just out. He's done. He's sick of hope, which you you then see at the end of the movie. You do. It's great. Um Bill Irwin as Tars, awesome, loved it, great. Tars. That's a top five movie robot. Uh, Josh Stewart as Case is also a, a top five movie robot, maybe a top ten movie robot. He's not as funny as Tars, but Tars. <laughs> um, everybody, I mean, even people who pitched in a little bit were great. Um, McCott. Yeah, everyone bought their A game. Yes, and like uh, I was thinking about this last night, nobody was bad in this movie. And in most movies, I think you get one or two people who overdo it, or under or don't bring enough to it. Everybody was perfectly pitched in this movie. It was great, and mm-hmm. and this was I think Nolan's. This is another reason why I think it's his peak. Like, it's. His directing was always really good in Inception and the Dark Knight trilogy, but you would occasionally have people 
stray a little bit above or below like the standard that he should be achieving. But with Interstellar, I think that's when it all came together direction-wise. And um, and Dunkirk, I think, and Tenet, it falls off a little bit. I, I don't think everybody necessarily brings it as well there. Um, I, Oppenheimer will be interesting just because of how A-list it is and how many just crazy big names we have in this. It's going to be interesting how he keeps those so uh even keeled yeah i, I mean we'll see I'm just, if all i know is i see nolan and i'm in yeah i mean everybody's like that i'm even like that and i like to make fun of yeah. him a little bit um but it's it's a top tier cast and i think the one thing you walk away from uh the one thing a lot of people walk away from this movie with is holy shit matthew mcconaughey yeah, I mean, yeah, this was before Dallas Buyers Club, right? I think it was – I thought they were around the same time. Like, I thought this one was a little bit yeah. after, actually. I don't I'll do remember. A quick, I'll do a quick um, search. You, you vamp while I'm looking. <laughs> yeah, but either way, his performance was amazing. I think what really sold everyone was the scene where he's watching his kids' Ooh. messages to him. It's just – when you you see it's like it's a one shot basically on the TV and it just slowly zooms in. You're hearing his kids' messages to him, ten years or however many years it was later, and then it just cuts to McConaughey just bawling, and that scene always gets me every time because you just feel for him. It's just so authentic. It's like crying in that scene. Um, yeah, he's just so well done throughout the entire movie, and he's the perfect spaceman, honestly. So this movie came out. Two years after Dallas Buyers Club, actually, but I think it's part. It, it's this this era of McConaughey. He does Ghost of Girlfriends past in 2009, and he's like, "All right, I'm done with this rom com thing. That's all I've been doing." <laughs> and then he goes and he does The Lincoln Lawyer, which he started his career off making a name for himself in one of these courthouse procedurals uh, with A Time to Kill. That was what got him super famous, and I think that was like the period on this era of McConaughey and then after that he does Mud uh, he did Magic Mike which he didn't have a major role in uh, I, I don't think he did I haven't seen that movie I just kind of said that uh, <laughs> the Channing Tatum movie I know that um, he does Mud though which is a, a little a, a more serious role for his standards by far then Dallas Buyers Club then True Detective and Interstellar come out in the same year and I think oh damn that, yeah. so yeah, Dallas Buyers Club, and then obviously filming True Detective and Interstellar take a little time. So those come out a year after. Actually, they came out a year after, not two years. I misread. And you're like, yeah, this guy is uh, this guy's an actor. He's really, really good. This guy <laughs> is. He's an actor. Well, he's right. not what I mean. All right, all, all right, right, all right. He's not what we thought he was. We thought he was the, you know, we thought he was the fucking rom com guy. The f- yeah, he was like the, the lover boy rom com. The good looking, funny, southern charm guy. And then he does Dallas Buyers Club, True Detective, Interstellar, and we're like, oh shit, no, this guy is it. This guy is this guy is it. <laughs> this is him. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, he brings, and you mentioned it, uh, but it, it, outside of just that, that scene, he fucking brings it in every single part of this role. When he is, like, he's not as smart as 
the other people on there. He know he's a good pilot, but he isn't necessarily. And he's an engineer, but he doesn't understand the physics of everything, and he doesn't understand the relativity of time as well as everybody else, or, nor the biology. But when they get down into those expeditions onto these different Earth-like planets, like he is the de facto leader and making all these decisions uh, for the human race. And honestly, I wouldn't mind him making decisions for my human race. I would love that. <laughs> Make him do everything ever. I Yeah, Cooper for Cooper president. For president, man. Um, I mean, you got to think when he gets out of there that there's a push for him to be the president, right? Um, <laughs> yeah, that's a good point. I don't know what he's doing. No, he's going to... Oh yeah, that's right. That's right. That's right. So he'll be king. Yeah. Um, Yeah. (laughs) All right. Before. All right. Well, let's do Matt Damon too. You put Matt Damon on my on my outline in all caps. I don't know when you saw it, but I saw this in theaters, and I the marketing for this, he was not in anything. You had no idea he was in this movie. I just remember being in the theater. It was me and my buddy. And as soon as he pops out of his little uh, coma cage, <laughs> <laughs> he, he peeks his head out, and I'm going, "Is that Matt yeah. Damon?" And then he pops out, and you, you can hear like there's like a gas in the audience. Everyone just goes, "Matt Damon," because <laughs> it's so out of left field. It's like this huge star, Matt Damon, just pops in in the third of the yeah. movie. It's like what? Um, I did not see this in theaters. Unfortunately, I wish wish I had. Um, and if it gets re-released near me I, I will but um it's it was a shock to me and it was it was it's a shock i think every time watching it yeah because you, you're so engulfed in the first two thirds and then all of a sudden this matt damon all of a sudden up, yeah becomes the villain it's fucking matt damon's here <laughs> holy shit <laughs> um it's great uh he is really really good in it too as the villain it's this fucking crazy guy who has been mm-hmm. there on this planet for like we don't exactly know how long because i I, does he ever say how long he's been there maybe i don't know it was a long time i don't know but he is a psycho and i don't under and i also i was thinking about it like when they were doing the docking thing but that's a whole other thing i was thinking what is this guy's plan he's like i'm gonna be the one that saves the world but we can't live on this planet but I'm going to keep them from leaving this planet. Well, yeah, I don't, I think that was like the purpose. Like his character is not supposed to be the right. smartest. He was irrationally thinking like the whole well, time. Well, he was, he was supposed to be the smartest. That, that, that's what Anne Hathaway said. Like he's the best of all of us that went out oh, there. Fair. But fair. I think his, but not his in the mind moment. has been corrupted a little bit. Mm-hmm. But yeah, he was totally in the spur of the moment. Just like, I need to get out of here. I've been in this coma for whatever, 50 plus years. But like, he also didn't want to leave. It was weird. Yeah, I mean, he was just thinking irrationally. Yeah, I, I, know. I, mean, yeah. I would too. If these people brought me out from a coma and I'm just like, well, where the fuck am I? Like, I thought there would be human civilization here and no one's here, yeah. you know? It's weird. It was weird, wild stuff. But Matt Damon was really, really good. I love – this is kind of a thing that Matt Damon has started to do where, like, he does a lot of this, holy shit, is that Matt Damon? <laughs> like, he loves to pop up and shit. He, yeah, it's great. He, he it popped up in this. Um, he popped up in, the, uh, in Thor and Deadpool a couple years later. Yeah. He popped up in Jay and Silent Bob reboot. He pop. He really popped up in No Sudden Move. Uh, 
Like, you want to talk about, holy shit, is that Matt Damon? When he popped up with gray hair and explained the plot to you at the end of No Sudden Move, he's just like, this is what happened. And you're like, oh, thank you, Matt Damon. I was very confused. Like, it's weird. He's great. Um, and they just left him in space a year later because then The Martian came out. <laughs> yep. him, he got his own they space They left movie. him in space for a year. I think Ridley Scott saw that and was like, I want to keep him there. Let's, let's send him to Mars. <laughs> let's make it orange. Let's, yeah. We're going to put him, instead of an all-white planet where he's completely alone and losing his mind, we're going to put him on an all-orange <laughs> planet where he's completely alone and losing his mind. Um, and he likes plants. Yeah, he really, really likes plants that he makes out of his own poop. Um <laughs> Before we get to Christopher Nolan, because we've, we've already started him a little bit, I want to pause here and talk about the Oscars this year because I have a fucking problem. The Oscars? This the year? Oscars 2015, sorry. The year the year oh, this movie okay. came out. The, the, <laughs> like no, a not this year. Nothing, no, nominations did not come out. Um, oh, yeah, this movie got robbed. Completely. 100%. Theory of Everything, like that movie, not better than Interstellar. Imitation Game, not, not better than Interstellar. American Sniper, not better than Interstellar. I mean, yeah, it's, it's my favorite movies of all time. It, it should have won. Um, what are we doing here? Like, not even with the bias of of you of being like, this is my favorite movie of all time. I'm I'm just, it's a fucking robbery. Um, <laughs> I don't understand how McConaughey didn't get nominated. Steve Carell got nominated for Foxcatcher. What are we doing? I mean, he was okay, great, but that. not as good as McConaughey in this. No, it's uh. uh. Yeah, I'll never forgive him for that, but... The supporting role stuff, obviously, there shouldn't... There's not really anything there. But Nolan not being nominated for Best Achievement in Directing? Mm Mm-hmm. Imitation Game. Unreal. No, um, that's not better. Not more of an achievement than Interstellar. What? Uh, Oh, and uh, this was an original screenplay, right? Yes. Shitty, again. Just trash being left off again because no it got it got snubbed big time and literally i know i just i like to i'm just i'm going through it right now and airing my grievances like i was watching it and i was kind of thinking this feels like it's based off a book right does that make sense that thought um maybe because it's so expansive and like and how like in-depth it is it makes you feel like it should be coming from a book but Nah, it's from Nolan's right, mind. Right, exactly. That's why it should be a fucking best original screenplay. Let's see what else they got not left off for. Uh, achievement in cinematography, not even a nom. But Unbroken got one. <laughs> I saw that movie in theaters. <sighs> Should have seen Interstellar instead. Um, editing did not get a nom. Achievement in production design got a nom. Lost to Grand Booty Best Hotel. I will actually take that one. Fair. <laughs> I will take that one. Um, music, written for motion pictures, yeah. Did not get score. Grand Budapest Hotel got that, but it was nominated. Sound mix. Best score of all time. Sound mixing, Whiplash won. Yeah, all right. Fair. Sound editing. American Sniper won sound editing. Uh. Interstellar won. was nominated, though. Uh, no, yeah. It should have won everything. <laughs> I mean, like, I'm looking at it, Come on. and I'm not as biased as you, but it really should have. It only won for visual effects, which, thank fucking God, because if Dawn of the Planet of the Apes had won it, there there would have been riots in the streets. Those 
it's just insane like how expansive how in depth everyone brought their a game you're going on this magnum opus space odyssey the score is heavenly like it's it's still in my opinion one of the best scores of all time i listen to it daily hans zimmer is just a, a genius what um I, I do listen to it daily because usually when I'm working or studying or something, I have that on in the background. It's good. It's good music to go in the background when you're working. It gets super intense. You get super into it. The organs playing. You're like, I gotta finish this. I gotta finish this. Cool. Works really well. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, nerd. Yeah. That's the Simpsons gif where he's yelling at the guy in front of the college. I just did five minutes. I did like ten minutes on Spider Man in the first half of this, and you beat me for biggest nerd of the episode incredible cinematography that's the biggest um, robbery just, to me is the cinematography of the directing like yeah it's just like this movie just it blows you away and i just don't get how this didn't have a bigger impact this is this movie is very much in for me in the same vein of like licorice pizza where you're like this is movies you know like this is just fucking this is movies like this is yeah. what we are here to do this is it uh it's it's a shame when creativity is robbed. Birdman's a good movie though. That's fine. All right. <laughs> so Christopher Nolan, like I said, you're the you're the Nolan expert. You're gonna write the book on no- Nolan one day. Um, <laughs> this is his you you agree with me, this is his best. Uh I've like yeah. It's literally like the Bradley Beal John Wall gif where he's like, I ain't never ever seen you act this way before. <laughs> like, it is insane. And I think a lot of people kind of I, I think he showed that he had a little bit of this in him with some of his earlier like uh, at least with scale. I think Dark Knight and Dark Knight Rises made people forget that he could, like he is this crazy, insane director because those feel like a little bit more like cut and dry superhero movies. Even though the darker tones in them and themes of them and the acting in them sets those apart, but I think camera wise, he's not doing anything super spectacular in those movies. And so then Interstellar comes out and you go, "Oh fuck, oh no, this guy's really, really good." You know, does that make sense? Yeah. No, totally. I mean, it's just like the whole time. I just like, especially when I saw this the first time in theaters, like you're just so mesmerized, mesmerized by everything you're seeing on screen. Just like, just like, especially like I'm a huge sci-fi nerd in general, and Ooh. just seeing like this the space odyssey come to life in the way that it did, and just like watching the ship blast off, going into space, going to these different planets, exploring, like. That's also just like it's human nature in general. Like we love to explore. It's it's human instinct, and this movie just nailed that. And just I was sitting there with hard eyes the entire time. Like it's just it's just incredible front to back. Have you seen two thousand one A Space Odyssey? What's that? I hate you. <laughs> of course I've seen okay, that. Yeah. Just sure. I saw that in theaters actually. I saw it the seventy uh, fifth anniversary in what's IMAX. The, what's the fucking what's the one the the sci fi one that I always tell you to watch but you've never seen? Is it Blade Runner? Nope, I've seen Is Blade it Alien. Runner. I don't know. We've done Alien on this. No, we haven't. Is it Alien? No. I don't know. I feel like you're lying to me. All right. Um, <laughs> no, not, um, not. 2001 was in, or, or Interstellar was inspired by 2001. Well, no. Oh no, um, shit. <laughs> <laughs> I was just about to get but, there. I yeah. loved you mentioned when you mentioned Space Odyssey. Um, 
that made me think to ask you, but I loved like Tars like going a little like slightly evil robot for that joke being like, uh, I'm gonna blast you out of the airlock right now. <laughs> like I was like, Oh fuck. Yeah. Oh my god. How? <laughs> the robot design on Tars so two was a one man, like just the way it moves, the way it, like opens its arms out, the way it speaks, it was so well done. It felt ancient, but also super fu- futuristic at the same. I don't time. know how you think of that. Like I'm gonna have this fucking yeah. rectangle be able to do all this crazy shit. The way it moved on the wave planet too, and like that, circles. So the cool. first time I saw that, I my jaw dropped because that's like I was like, this yeah. is sci-fi. Like ah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it was also when you first realize the mountains aren't oh, mountains and they're one waves. of the greatest reveal shots ever although i do feel like they snuck up on them pretty quickly <laughs> like i feel like they weren't as close to them when they landed yeah. um also do those waves ever crash or do you think it's just perpetual waves on that planet i think it's a perpetual waves it or one crashes. perpetual wave or do they like run into that's crazy it was weird there might be two or three, but yeah, it's just like a current just keeps going. It was awesome. And circle. the time stuff on that planet, like we it's a the joke I mostly make is he can't be straightforward with time. That like when you get when you mm-hmm. get back and it's been twenty three years and there's some gray in that guy's beard, you're like huh? we were down there for five. <laughs> like, it's so good. And they only like the way they were doing the math, they were like, Yeah, we'll be down there for two years and he's like, Oh, I can stay awake for two years with Case and just work on this equation and he comes back and he's like got a blanket around him, he's like, Where the hell have you been? <laughs> well, it's interesting because they, they have the whole conversation of debating beforehand if they should even land there. And when they do decide to land there, you think, All right, there's no way they're actually gonna like spend ten or seven whatever years there. Like there's no way they're actually gonna do that in the movie. And they do, and it kinda just blows your mind, especially when they get back and you see um I'm forgetting the character's name right now. But when you see the the other guy who's on the spaceship and he's old and he has a white Romley. beard and he's like Romley, right. He's like, I've been waiting for so long for you guys to come back. And you just feel it there. And then also the scene after when he rushes to see his kids' messages. Yeah. It hits you hard. And it also, like, when when they do the reveal of, oh, in this planet's time, she crashed two hours ago, and she probably died, like, five minutes before we landed. Right. And you're like, oh, what? It's such a crazy concept to even just, like, think about. And then – um. Wes Bentley uh, or the character Doyle's body floating there like Anne Hathaway fucked up (laughs) so what do you think about they were talking about this in the conversation beforehand when I talk about debating about landing on that planet and Dr. Brand was like talking about um, love and how she was more drawn to Miller's planet because of her love there Um, I know that scene gets debated a lot because people think no 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 that was for uh, oh, that was, was afterwards. afterwards I'm sorry. And it was to go to right. Edmund's planet. Edmund or Miller's, yeah. Yes, to go to Edmund um, Miller's. Edmund was the one that she wanted to go to. Miller's was the one McConaughey wanted. To right. Go to. Sorry. Yes. Yes. Your, sorry. Your I got favorite up. movie ever. Um, you don't see me doing that with <laughs> Heat. <laughs> um, but yeah, what do you think? Because I I've seen a lot of controversy about that online that people hate that scene because Nolan used love instead of uh, science. So. I was sitting there like I the way I was thinking about it was love is one of the most pure solely innate human emotions 
There really are yep. no an- other animals that experience that emotion. But I was also thinking, like, Anne Hathaway, you got to be smarter than this. Like, I get it that you like this guy. But the, the, if we have the best scientists saying this is what we need to do, then that's what you have to go with. Of course, it ends up being wrong, and love ends up being the correct way they should have gone. And it's what makes this whole thing work because they knew McConaughey would do anything to get these messages to his daughter, to like try and save the world, to save her. Uh, the beings, whatever we call them, or maybe possible future humans, that's never really answered, but McConaughey seems to think it is. Um, and it's that's the message I'm talking about in the review that I wrote of it is like it's at the end it's it is this crazy sci-fi adventure but a purely human emotion is what solves everything and i think that was beautiful but i also was like Anne hathaway would like know better than this <laughs> like yeah and i think that was Nolan's intention the whole time like dr brand was emotional i mean they just went through that travesty and the wave planet right. that may it makes sense she, that she'd want to she was yeah she's obviously very irrational and she's she was using emotions over logic in that scene and i i think Nolan was also trying to show, which is a big theme, like you said, about um, love and emotion is that like love is powerful. Like it does like sometimes just overcome logic a lot of the times, especially in our uh, day to day decisions that we make. Right. People do stupid things for people that they care about. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I really love that scene just because of that moment. Yeah. I, I mean, I don't necessarily I'm not a I'm not a huge fan of that scene. Like I'm not like, oh, this is one that I really need to sit down and watch. I think it deepens the story, but it does bother me a little bit because I'm like sitting there like McConaughey's fucking right. Like this is what we're supposed to be doing. We're supposed to be going to the one with the best results. But right. Um, but no, that that the theme of love comes out right. there and like humanity because like it the the tesseract at the end like that wouldn't have been built if they if humanity didn't care about itself in a way like that was for love almost to like save itself right. you know um it's good though i mean i'm fine i'm totally fine with it um yeah the science of this movie so there was a lot there's a lot about how like the science of this is super accurate and i think it is to an extent like dr kip thorne is somebody they had consult yeah they had a bunch of scientists right. yeah. and i think they're kind of tooting their own horn a little bit about how accurate this shit is because there's some of it where you're well no i think i don't think they're saying it's 100 percent accurate i think they're saying it's as accurate as possible right. theoretically because you only can get so far in accuracy because we haven't reached these limits i don't, I don't think a, a, a tesseract is is theoretically accurate though <laughs> No, no, I don't think that. I think that was more like the space travel that wormhole. Was this, yeah, the wormhole and the black hole were, I think, as far as my understanding, which is not very much, but I do like space stuff and I look at stuff like that a lot. Um, yeah, I mean, I think that stuff is pretty accurate, as accurate as it can get. Um, yeah. And it, was, it looked beautiful. Right, and it all fit. Uh, like It's amazing. It's like the science lined up to get the best cinematic results out of there. It's crazy. <laughs> yeah. And I think that's why it, it stuck with me so much because we haven't seen like a wormhole or the space in general, 
like that in a movie. Um, I did read that Nolan wanted them at one point to go faster than the speed of light, and they were like, nope, can't do that. Yeah. And he was like, he was really all for it, and I'm really glad they left that out because I would have been like, ah, boo, boo, and throwing popcorn at the screen. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's good, though. I mean, I appreciate that. I think it's a little overblown. What is the science stuff? They're like, just... I I do think they're tooting their own horn a little bit, being a little braggy about it. No, I think they just they made it as accurate know, as they could. Just and that was in that. the promo run. I don't think people care as much about that. I'm just saying. Hey, I'm glad they're pushing science versus <laughs> Me something too. else. Science rules. Um, do not go quietly into that good night, or do not go gentle into that good night. The entire time, I thought they were quoting. <laughs> Quoting Independence Day, do not. We will not go quietly uh, into that good night. I'm like, yeah, Independence Day. Uh, no, I didn't think that, but it's amazing. How- that was a uh, fun fact. That was a Jeopardy question uh, a couple nights do ago. Do not, do not go gentle into not, that good night. We will not go quietly into that good night. <laughs> also, for in my senior year in college, I wrote a 15-page paper uh, about Interstellar, and it was called "Do Not Go Gentle Into That Jesus Good Night." Christ. I mean, come on. That has to be the title. Sure. I'm just saying. <laughs> You're a nerd. It's a fantastic Dylan, essay, too. I'll Dylan Thomas. <laughs> Please don't. Um, Dylan Thomas, <laughs> who wrote the poem that that quote came from, did not get a writing credit from this movie. Oh, like the actual yeah, poem? he died in 1953. Did not get a writing credit. I'm looking at his IMDb right now. He's I mean, got IMDb. Michael Caine... <laughs> Michael Caine did do a fantastic reading. Of he it. wrote a bunch of scripts and short stories and stuff and TV shows and stuff. His most recent writing credit is 2020. Good for him. Good for this dead guy. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. He's a poet. Sorry if any descendants of Dylan Thomas didn't like hey, that his work. His work is living on past his death. He succeeded. That's true. He, yeah. Interstellar and most known for Independence Day. <laughs> can't wait for the Independence Day pod. Oh, man. I love that movie. Um, this movie only has a 74 Metascore. That is some weird, wild stuff there. It got a... Tw- yeah. Tw- I totally get it, because I do think the third act, especially the, the Tesseract scene, loses a lot of people. Oh, my God. Because it, it is kind of pretty realistic up until that point. And then it kind of takes like a crazy turn. Um, um, and also becomes very confusing too. I'm, I'm looking at Meta, Metacritic and the user reviews. There's a zero here that they have posted. Worst audio mixing in the history of movies. <laughs> Come on, it's Nolan. We know that already. I, but this, but that's the thing. This is his best audio mixed movie, and I think it sounds really good. There are a couple parts, but it's obviously on purpose, and I think it fits. Tenet the makes me want to. Fucking, oh my God, I hope we don't have to do that movie. Um, but this guy says he gave up instantly and didn't even watch the movie. That has zero thumbs up and 36 thumbs down, 38 thumbs down, 39 now. Um. <laughs> well, those 36 people suck. No, no, no. And are dumb. No, they thumbs stupid. down the comment about him not even watching oh, it. Yeah, oh, yeah. I, I thought it was thumbs Lord. up. All right, those people are good. <laughs> I like them. Um, I wrote down storyline here on the outline, but I feel like we've pretty much covered it. It's a very, very great plot for a sci-fi movie. It's also still very current and oh real. Oh my god! Like this could this could happen. It 
we, we're going to run out of food and we're going to have to start exploring. And it's crazy that we haven't done so yeah. already. Oh, well, um, it's fucking good, though. Uh, inst- but instead of a secret NASA leading it, it's going to be Elon Musk and Jeff Bezos. Uh. <laughs> hey, I do not care as long as we just fucking do it. What's going to happen is they're going to hoard all the money and they're going to build spaceships and it's going to be two of them floating in a cryo chamber for the rest of time with their <laughs> billions of dollars. We'll see. But yeah, I think like the, the obviously the whole purpose of this movie is that like we need to come together as one. Um like yeah, there's a lot of like individual individual individualistic versus like coming together in humanity in this movie but it really is about like us as a species coming together to save ourselves um like this obviously could be like a metaphor for like climate change or or whatever it is that's coming our way not only Uh, could it be it is that's no one is very intentional about that yeah um but yeah like he's i think the ending just like proves that like we need to start working together and stop arguing and do this ASAP. And it's crazy how prevalent this still is when this came out in 2014. And I feel like nothing's changed since then. Well, that's but, also what we'll be saying in 10 years when don't look up came up in 2021, but in 2031, we're yep. all starving to death. So mm. yep. fun stuff. Let's end um, it right there. <laughs> um, and a very depressing. No, moment. uh, you're the Nolan guy. What movies should we do next week? I'm going to let make you list off four right well, now. Well, I think we should do uh, uh, a Villeneuve movie. We're going to go interchangeable? All right. Yeah, because I'm seeing Enemy this week. Oh, is this week. this? Oh, okay. So we'll, uh, we will do that then. We will be, okay, so I'll take some time to think about it and put up a Denis Villeneuve poll. Well, I don't know if you know we should do a poll. I think we should just do Enemy. <laughs> That's a good point. I think, yeah, because, yeah, I think we should do Enemy. I know I'm uh, being a little selfish here, but <laughs> I am seeing it uh, with a Q&A with Denis, so I'd love to talk about it. Uh, I'm going to give you, I'm, I'm going to come up, we, we need to come up with a question for you to ask him about that movie. Oh, yeah, I got to start brainstorming. Man, but, um, uh, but yeah, so I think we should do right, Enemy. We'll do, week. and then we'll do a poll for Nolan after, and then a poll for Denis after right. that. Um, Dune cannot be on the poll. <laughs> I'm making an executive okay. decision. We can't have to, we've talked about it enough on this podcast. We did like a whole yeah, Dune fair. episode, didn't we? Yeah, we talked about Dune for a while. So yeah, All that's right. fine. Um, honestly, I really hope Arrival wins it because I remember that well, that year was like when you and I started talking about movies a lot and we fucking loved Arrival. Um, that would be really, really fun yeah, to man. talk about. All right. So Enemy next week. For your Q and A, try and snag some audio of of Denis answer questions, and I can loop it into the pod. Uh, I'm not gonna do anything illegal, well, but I'll is see it, what is I it can. No do. I'll grab some picks. Is it? N- I don't know. I'll see. If you I'll can record, record. Get yeah. I'll get see. the content, man. Get the content. I'll see. Content. I don't know. My my friend got the tickets and everything, so. I don't know what's Content going on. Content first, respect yeah, for your I'm friend seeing, last. I'm seeing Denis <laughs> in person, so I am very excited. And I'm glad he's doing an old movie. Yeah, I am too. I'm glad. It's a fucking weird movie too. I hope we get some questions answered. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. All right. Um, but yeah, I'm excited. All right. I had a good I had a good time. So stay tuned. Interstellar is a fun movie to talk about. 
It's a fun movie to watch. It's just the best movie ever, man. I don't know. It's no heat, but it's a good movie. (laughs) All right. I had a good time, Jacob. I'll see you next week when you get back from your trip to L.A. Yes, I'll see you next week. Thank you.